Today, retailers confident of a boom run into Christmas with Black Friday sales starting tomorrow. That's our main story. Also this morning, Commonwealth Bank warns investors on cryptocurrencies, travel companies confident of finally getting back to normal, and what COVID did to marriage and divorce rates. It's Thursday, the 25th of November, 2021. Welcome to Fear and Greed, the business podcast that sets you up for a successful day. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Then stay listening for Sean's chat to Roger Montgomery from Montgomery Investment Management, looking at exactly what inflation means for investors. But first, Sean, as I mentioned, Black Friday sales kick off tomorrow. Retailers are hoping for a surge in turnover as a kickstart in the run into Christmas. Yes, the next few days are very critical for retailers, with sales lasting through to Monday. Given everyone is out of lockdown and people have savings to spend, it should be a good time for storekeepers. In all, around $60 billion will be spent by shoppers between now and Christmas. But retail is not in great shape at the moment. Several companies have reported difficulty getting stock because of supply chain issues. Finding staff has been a challenge, and the check-in, check-out process at the entry to stores is causing frustration among shoppers, some of which is being taken out on the shop assistants. Yesterday, the Australian Retailers Association Chief Executive Paul Zara wrote an open letter to Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews warning of elevated customer aggression levels, calling on Victoria to fall into line with New South Wales on vaccine mandates. He complained of inconsistencies in mandate rules, meaning it was difficult for retailers to manage staff. Mr Zara said there's been reports of customer aggression from department and hardware stores through to small businesses, even charities. Many have had to put security guards at the front doors. Not a good start to the selling season. No, that's appalling. But some good news, Harvey Norman boss Jerry Harvey seems pretty upbeat about the next couple of days. Have you ever seen Jerry Harvey not upbeat? He is <laughs> this is <et> true. <laughs> he is eternally optimistic. He said there was plenty of money sitting in bank accounts waiting to be spent, though he did add it was all about the run into Christmas and not just the next few days. Mind you, Harvey Norman said profits had fallen 36% in the four months to October, triggering a near 2% drop in its share price yesterday. The group also said even though things had reopened, there was still major uncertainty in the economy. So Jerry Harvey was very optimistic, but the numbers not so much. Another company speaking yesterday was Aventus, which owns 20 retail centres. CEO Darren Holland said the run-up to Christmas should be very positive. In short, it's make-or-break time for retailers. Yeah, it certainly is. So how did markets perform yesterday? Well, the S&P ASX 200 finished slightly lower to 7,399 points. It was a pretty steady day, really, with energy and utility stocks doing well, while technology and industrials were the underperformers. The banks were mixed, though ANZ rose 0.8%, and Macquarie Group fell 1.5%. So that means ANZ is now, once again, bigger than Macquarie, and the country's sixth biggest company. Also yesterday, the price of iron ore extended its rebound from 18-month lows, heading towards US dollars a tonne. There's some optimism about steel mills in China lifting volumes next month. That's still to play out, though. Working against iron ore is Beijing's determination to keep a lid on pollution in the run-up to the Olympic Games, and a big chunk of steelmaking occurs around that Beijing region. Anyway, optimism about the pickup in iron ore prices helped push BHP share price up half a percent yesterday and Fortescue's 1.3% higher. What about overseas? What's happened overnight? 
Wall Street was mixed with the Dow Jones Industrial Average down a touch in early afternoon trading while the S&P 500 and Nasdaq were both higher. Elon Musk continues to sell down his Tesla shares and is now halfway towards his goal of selling 10% of his stake. Musk now has offloaded 9.2 million shares worth around $9.9 billion. European markets generally closed higher overnight. The Aussie dollar has slipped a bit though. It's trading below 72 US cents. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, plenty of stories around this morning. The Commonwealth Bank had a bit to say yesterday. Yes, there wasn't a particular theme to the commentary, but it was all pretty interesting. Firstly, Chief Executive Matt Common, who was actually speaking on Tuesday night, said that the level of customer interest in cryptocurrencies was enormous and customers kept wanting to talk to him about it. Remember, Commonwealth Bank will allow people to buy and sell Bitcoin using their CBA wallets. And Mr. Common is probably the highest profile advocate so far of digital currencies. But he also had a warning saying people speculating on cryptos open themselves up to major risks. And I'd just like to reiterate, I agree with Mr. Common on that one. Then the Commonwealth Bank released data yesterday that it says shows that customers who use buy now, pay later solutions are more likely to overdraw their accounts and fall behind on repayments. It said 7.2% of its customers who used buy now, pay later loans in 2021 overdrew their accounts, compared to 3.9% of non-buy now, pay later customers in a similar age bracket. Of course, one of the big debates in that whole space is the credit worthiness of users. And then finally, the Commonwealth Bank economists came out and said they expected interest rates to rise later next year, even though the Reserve Bank has recently hosed down such speculation. Michael, as I said, not related, but all very interesting from the Commonwealth Bank. Yeah, it really is. Now, Sean, no sector really has been harder hit by COVID than the travel sector. There's no surprises there. But there's at least one major group now talking up its prospects. There is. Webjet said the impact of COVID-19 will start to recede within 12 months, providing greater stability to the industry. It's about time. Webjet yesterday announced the loss of $62 million for the six months to the end of September. Not so good, but not as bad as it has been. The group expects pre-COVID booking volumes to be reached between October next year and March 2023. That would mean a near three-year disaster period for the sector. Assuming they can last that long, a bunch of the travel companies will have weathered the storm and will emerge much more efficient, and they're certainly looking for better times ahead. Now, their share prices have done well since August. Webjet's share price rose 1.4% yesterday following the profit announcement, but it's up nearly 20% over the past couple of months. Corporate travel management is up nearly 9%, and Flight Centre over that period is up more than 30%. Of course, they remain way below their pre-COVID peaks. Flight Centre, for example, is less than a third of what it was in the middle of 2018. However, there is some cause for optimism. And speaking of travel, Sean, there's a bit of an update for people wanting to travel to New Zealand. Yes, New Zealand announced that fully vaccinated Australians will be able to enter the country without completing 14 days of quarantine from 16 January next year. That's good news. But until 30 April, they will have to undertake seven days of home quarantine. Now, a day after South Australia opened its borders to New South Wales and Victoria, two positive cases were reported in the state. South Australia also said it had received more than 62,000 applications by people from New South Wales and Victoria wanting to visit the state. That was in the 33-hour period. Pretty incredible. 
In terms of cases yesterday, Victoria reported 1,196 cases, a sharp jump from recent days. It also recorded three deaths. In New South Wales, there were 248 new COVID cases and two deaths. New South Wales' vaccination rate has now reached 92%. The Northern Territory recorded 11 new cases yesterday and the ACT recorded 15 cases. And on the topic of COVID, I mentioned this one at the start of the show, COVID wasn't very good for marriages with a 31% drop in marriages last year compared to 2019. Yes, but it didn't seem to affect the divorce rate. In fact, the number of divorces rose slightly. Bureau statistics figures show that there were 79,000 marriages last year. That's the lowest number since records began back in 1961. Obviously, COVID had a fair bit to do with this. No family or friends meant people postponing weddings. Victoria, which was hardest hit by lockdowns, led the way with marriages down more than 40%. Now, Michael, guess what day was the most popular day for getting married last year? Sometime in spring. That's true. The 10th of October. Nice choice. The fifth most popular day was the 29th of February. I mean, obviously, last year was a leap year. As regards to divorces, there was a small increase to 49,510 last year, But the Bureau noted, perhaps prophetically, that divorces are only reported once finalised after a separation of at least one year. So pandemic-related divorces won't be in the system yet. Okay, Sean, what's making headlines in today's news media? Well, Michael, the Financial Review is reporting that Australia's 40 universities will be asked to compete for four grants of up to $60 million each under a federal government program to turbocharge the commercialisation of research. The Australian is reporting that states and territories will need to take more responsibility for funding the National Disability Insurance Scheme, with the Minister in charge warning that the program was not sustainable and never intended to function as a welfare scheme for life. And the Financial Times is reporting that more than 20 people have died during an attempt to cross the English Channel to Britain. Instances of so-called small boat crossings involving people smuggling have been on the rise for the last three years, but this is the biggest tragedy so far. Running through some of the other stories around today, question time in federal parliament yesterday involved Labor accusing Scott Morrison of lying. It looks like the opposition is working on the narrative that the Prime Minister can't be trusted which is a narrative they will no doubt take to the next election and which certainly got a kick along from the Prime Minister's recent interactions with the French President. Exactly. Total construction work done during the September quarter was down slightly from June, but up 3.5% over the previous year. The value of work done in New South Wales and the ACT was much, much lower, presumably reflecting lockdowns, while work in Tasmania, the Northern Territory and South Australia jumped sharply. Now, this one's pretty interesting, Sean. The Bureau of Statistics said renewable energy generation gathered momentum during the 2020 financial year, with solar, wind and hydro contributing 222 petajoules to the domestic energy supply. The thing that makes this pretty remarkable is that that's enough to power 10 million homes for a year. The data is, of course, dated. That was for 2020. But it does show that momentum for green energy was growing even back then. Mm, That's very true. That's a lot of homes, 10 million homes. Of course, I suppose you've got to add all the industry and things like that on it. But we're on the way, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Private equity giant Kohlberg Kravis Roberts and the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund have been given the green light to acquire Spark Infrastructure by the Foreign Investment Review Board. That was the last approval needed. Spark shareholders overwhelmingly approved the deal on Monday and the company will delist after trading tomorrow. 
Sean, the $500 million expansion of the Australian War Memorial in Canberra has been signed off and will go ahead. The project will take up to a decade and has been, well, pretty controversial right from the get-go. There's going to be new and expanded exhibition, visitor and research spaces, and the iconic front view of the memorial is actually going to be changed as part of the project. And there's been a second-class action slapped on A2 Milk, alleging the company engaged in misleading or deceptive conduct and breached continuous disclosure laws in late 2020, early 2021. A2 said it will defend the proceedings without commenting on the veracity of the claim. The problem for A2 Milk is dealing with it and all the PR that goes along with that. Yeah, they certainly haven't had a good run. What's the key overseas news this morning, Sean? Well, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand yesterday lifted interest rates by 25 basis points, taking the official cash rate to 0.75%. But the rise was less than many market economists had tipped. It triggered a fall in the New Zealand dollar. The official rate in New Zealand is now 0.65 percentage points above the Australian rate. Austria, which is in the grip of a renewed outbreak of coronavirus, will make vaccinations compulsory from February 1 next year. That's for everyone, not just certain workers or groups. It's everyone in the country. It's an extreme response, but the country is recording about 15,000 new cases a day and went into a month-long lockdown on Monday. Only 66% of Austrians are fully inoculated. And finally, India's government will introduce a bill to ban private cryptocurrencies and establish a central bank digital currency. If it passes, it will be the second major economy behind China to ban cryptocurrency transactions. All right. Up next is the daily interview. And today you're talking to Roger Montgomery from Montgomery Investment Management, one of our semi-regular guests and one of our favorite investors. That's right. And if you're an investor and you want to understand inflation and all the talk about inflation right now and what it means for your investments, listen to Roger. Yeah, it's a really interesting chat, that one. That's up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Thursday, the 25th of November, 2021. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and sign up for our free daily newsletter at fearandgreed.com.au. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.